Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. And uh, good morning to you the day after big primary election here in these here parts, and I'll get to that in just a moment. Uh, some good news on that on that account. Uh, but uh, I, I have to address uh, what happened here um, yesterday. Uh, some of you know, some of you don't. If you read the uh, Pittsburgh Post-Gazette uh, today, you would know. Uh, but the editor of uh, Pittsburgh City Paper, uh, in whose conference room I am sitting right now, uh, was fired yesterday morning during my show, and uh, Charlie Deach, Charlie's been with the paper for a long, long time. He's a stand-up, honorable journalist, uh, a good man. Uh, I haven't spoken to anybody here. Uh, nobody has spoken to me. Uh, Charlie uh, says that he's was given no real reason for his firing, and in fact, the statement by the owners of uh, this paper, uh, which uh, is Eagle Media Corporation, which owns this paper, and... Um, one of America's great newspapers, the Butler Eagle. I, I say that because I was actually I was looking at the Pittsburgh Post Gazette today, and it still has on its banner one of America's great newspapers. And I'm thinking, come on, give it a break. I mean, so not true. The Butler Eagle. Um, for those of you who are not from these parts, uh, Butler is uh, a county uh, just to the, the north, I guess, of Pittsburgh. And uh, that is Trump territory. <laughs> uh, it's just red as heck. And um, as I suspect the owners of this paper are. So they didn't buy Pittsburgh City Paper, which is the most liberal newspaper <laughs> in uh in Pittsburgh they didn't buy it because they liked its politics they bought it obviously for business reasons but um i think it's been very difficult for them to uh own a publication that has editorial content that they are so inalterably in opposition to but it was their decision, right? I don't know. Charlie says he was fired because he had been told to lay off Daryl Metcalf. Anyone who's listened to my show knows that uh, I have uh, been known to talk about uh, Daryl Metcalf. He is a Republican uh, state representative in, uh, in Pennsylvania who hails from Butler? Might be. I don't even know. Yeah, he'd be up around those parts. And Daryl Metcalf is single-handedly the most obstructionist, homophobic, vile human being in that viper's nest that passes for a state legislature. I have said, every, I've called him every name in the book on this, you know, nobody shows how consequential I must be. Um, nobody's ever told me to shut up. I was thinking actually the other day that, you know, if Amazon doesn't come here, which I'm hoping for, 
that it doesn't. That if Amazon doesn't come here, one of the reasons could well be because they have been very straightforward about the fact that having uh, protections for gays, transgender people in, um, in the law is very important to them in terms of where they'll decide to place their headquarters. Now, the reality is, is the state of Pennsylvania doesn't even have gays um, in, uh, in their law about uh, their equal rights legislation. So if you're a gay person in Pennsylvania and you're not living in a metropolitan area that has its own protections in place, then you could be fired, you could be denied housing, simply because you're gay. Pennsylvania has never passed that kind of protective civil rights legislation for gay people living here in this great commonwealth. The main reason it has never passed is Daryl Metcalf because he chairs the committee. He is a very powerful person. The legislature in Pennsylvania, overwhelmingly Republican, and he, by virtue of his tenure, is uh, very powerful and heads very powerful committees. Forgive me for not knowing the exact name of the committee. And he has bragged about the fact that he sees his job as stopping any bill that the Democrats put forward. He simply, nothing ever gets out of committee. And if you look at what is holding Pennsylvania back, of course it's more than one man, <laughs> but if there was one man to be credited, I think Daryl Metcalf would definitely be in the running, the top, top three or four. So I was just thinking that really, if Amazon says to Pittsburgh, nah, one of the big reasons could be because they said they don't want to be in a state that is so backward that it might prevent them from hiring the best people, some of whom, Daryl, are, as he says, homosexuals. Charlie Deach says that he was told to lay off. That, in fact, he was told that Daryl Metcalf was a client of the, I'm not clear about this, the publisher? I don't understand how that would be. But I'll tell you, Daryl Metcalf, being the powerful man he is, would certainly have the ear of the people that <laughs> own this now. If you're a journalist, and you can pretend to be a journalist, and a publisher or a representative of the publisher comes to you and says, you ain't writing that about Daryl. You know, Daryl's a friend of ours. We got a relationship with Daryl. You can't kowtow to that. You can't. And Charlie didn't. And Charlie's now gone. If speaking ill of Daryl Metcalf is something that you can't do around here, then I'm as good as gone too, right? Because I will continue to speak ill of Daryl Metcalf. And I will continue to be true to the journalistic ethics that I have learned throughout my career. 
I got to tell you, this place is like a, it's a, there's a pall hanging over here. I don't even think half the people have come into work. Charlie was not only the leader of the editorial staff here, but he was well, well liked and with reason. And it's just another instance. We've watched as the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, which used to be the liberal newspaper in Pittsburgh, uh, we have watched as it's been <laughs> shrunk and destroyed by its Trump-loving publisher. Who's got all the money? These Republicans. <laughs> and they own newspapers. If you think print newspapers are going to, you know, not begin to reflect the views of their publishers, which increasingly they are. The Post-Gazette is a, another example. And, and now, with what has happened to our fine little feisty weekly Pittsburgh City paper. I don't know. So I'm, I'm, you know, on a day when I expected to be happy because of the democratic insurgencies that we saw uh, in yesterday's election, triumphant. Um, I'm just uh, miserable and um, wondering where I will be. I, I want to assure you that if I leave here of my own volition. Um, or not, um, I will somehow continue doing this if I have to jigger away to do it in my in my ha from my house, or or something like that. So um, I don't intend to stop. But as you know, I have been <laughs> knocking around from pillar to post uh, quite a bit in the last uh, 15 years. And, uh, you know, I'm game to do, do it some more. But uh, what happened here yesterday is, is so dispiriting. And the reason why it happened so unconscionable that um, I, I, I really, I don't know. As I said, nobody talks to me. I come in, I leave. That's it. I don't think anybody from the publish these new publishers ever even said hello to me. I don't even know who they are out there. So I've never been one to have a great deal of obeisance, obeisance, and um, uh, I've never kowtowed to authority. <laughs> um, all of this reminds me of actually the last really great radio gig I had um, after WTAE where I started uh, went to an all sports format and I found myself uh, wandering in the wilderness for a mo few months and I was given an opportunity at uh, a news station that they were setting up that used to play country music WPTT and they decided that they would start a talk station and knowing I was around decided they'd build it from me on up. So I went to work for that station. That was a station owned also by a local family, Renda, Tony Renda, had a number of radio stations. And um, the first, I think it might have been the first show or it was certainly in the first week that I started up there I did a rant about Richard Mellon Scaife Richard Mellon Scaife who uh, the billionaire uh, who underwrote a lot of the efforts to take down the Clinton presidency and uh, who also owned the newspaper that um, 
was his idea of an antidote to the liberal Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. And I was ripping him limb from limb for something or other. I had the same amount of respect for... Actually, I had more respect for him than I did for Daryl... than I do for Daryl Metcalf. Of the two, I mean, there's no contest. Daryl Metcalf is, is simply uh, vile. He is a vile human being. Okay? Richard Mellonscape was a little more uh, complex. But I had ranted and raved about him, and no sooner was I off the air than the head of the company, Tony Renda, asked to see me. And in I went to the conference room there. I remember sitting across the table from him, and he flat out said, you can't say things like that about Richard Scaife. Richard Scaife is a friend of mine. <laughs> and, I mean, I literally, I had been working there for like no more than a week. And in my entire broadcast career up to that point, I had never, ever had an owner or a general manager say something like that to me. You can't say that because that's my friend. And I was taken aback. And I said, well, uh, then I can't work here. Then That's just not the way it works. I, I have, you hired me because you apparently think I will attract an audience and I you and I do what I I mean you hired me to do what I do and a lot of what I do is trashing people like your buddy okay because I'm on the other side of the political spectrum and I am not going to be you cannot tell me what to say and if, if you, see, he'd never had a talk station. I said, and if you can't, then we can't do this. I said, and I'll tell you what, there's no, no harm, no foul. I'll, we'll just call it quits right now and say that, you know, put out some, you know, statement that um, it just appeared not to be a good fit. And, uh, and I went on my way. And I, I, I wasn't bluffing. I meant every word of it. And much to my astonishment, he backed down. I think he hated my guts the whole the rest of the time, but he backed down because he'd made this business decision to launch into talk radio, and I was the only talker he had at that point. So I said to him, look, my advice to you is don't listen. <laughs> don't listen. Okay? Don't listen to my show. It's always going to upset you. Just watch the numbers, the ratings rise. That's what I'm going to suggest to you. Just watch the ratings rise. You'll like that part, but don't listen. And I think he took my advice. So that's the way that's supposed to work. Owners, publishers are supposed to be, at, they're supposed to be a firewall between them and the people who are out there doing the news. And what happened here yesterday was a breach of that wall and as I said I don't know I don't know I don't feel particularly comfortable let's put it that way uh, little Tony writes I'm not sure if you're allowed to talk about this see Tony you wrote that before I started talking no one tells me what I can talk about, ever. 
And if somebody comes in here and after this show says you can't talk about that, I'm gone, okay? I'm gone. And I'll start up again as soon as I can in a week or so, as soon as we get the stuff together, okay? I mean that. This is part of what's happening to our country right now. This is part of what's happening to our country. What made the United States different? A free, free press. A free press. And it's not a free press. If journalists are told what they can cover, what they can say. So if I'm not here tomorrow, i got to tell you something. I will be back very soon. Made that promise to my producer here, and I'm making it to you. Not kidding. Okay? Anyway, back to Tony. Lynn, I'm not sure if you're allowed to talk about the subject, but since yesterday, I think Pittsburgh City Paper has lost all credibility. And to lose it for a cause like Metcalf is beyond ridiculous. Not to mention just a poor business decision. A lot of people who actually read the City Paper are very pissed. What the heck were they thinking? I am really hoping that this does not affect what you can say on your show. Wishing Charlie all the best, as do I. A good man who stood by his principles. Yes. We cannot allow. See, if, okay, if the... I thought we were, uh, you know, in the resistance here. Hmm? Hmm? This is an instance where you resist. Now, I understand that some people are not in the position to do it like I am. I'm an old lady beyond retirement age. I don't have to have this. But people who need a job, are not always in the position to walk away. So there are some people that are going to be working here now that are sick with anger and grief and mourning for a paper they've put so much of their heart and soul into. All right, I'll try to shut up. I'm sorry. <clears throat> so yesterday I was telling you, vote woman, vote women, vote women, vote women. You did! <laughs> you did! Wow, knocked off two long-term incumbents with the same last name, Costa. It's not like the Costas were like a Daryl Metcalf. They weren't horrible people. Nah. They were just moderate, machine, same old establishment Democrats. And two young women primaried them. Flank, outflanking them on the, their left. And they won decidedly, both of them. 30-year-old Summer Lee knocked off Paul Costa. And that is, I just want you to get the geography of it. Um... 
Paul Costa represented a district that included Braddock, Edgewood, Greenfield, Homestead, and parts of Squirrel Hill. For those of you who are not from these parts, that's a very eclectic geographical area. Very eclectic. It's got a little bit of everything. It's got, um, it's got, uh, you know, down and out former steel towns and uh, Pittsburgh uh, neighborhoods uh, that are in good shape. Um, and Paul Costa had been uh, the General Assembly representative in Harrisburg for that district for almost 20 years. And uh, Summer Lee, <laughs> what a great name, 30 years old, coming out of nowhere, blew him away, blew him away with her youth, with her energy. And then his cousin, Dom Costa, lives in the city, Stanton Heights, who used to be, had a short tenure as the Pittsburgh chief of police and then went from there to the General Assembly as well. See, if your name is Costa, you get elected around here. But man, there aren't as many Costas as there used to be because two of them, are, now I know this is a primary, but these are two absolutely solidly Democratic districts. So these two women, the other woman knocking off Dom Costa, is Sarah Inamorato, Inamorato. Uh, another young, 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 young woman. What is she? She's 32. Uh, lives in Lawrenceville. And that district, just so you get the lay of the land too, is somewhat eclectic. It takes in parts of the city, uh, uh, Stanton Heights, uh, the east parts of the East End, and also um, jumping across the river, uh, across the Allegheny, uh, the, the towns of uh, Aspenwall and Millvale. It's a great district, great district. And that is now, there's two young women, and I might add Summer Lee is a black woman, and that means, I think that's the first time a black woman has gone to Harrisburg representing Allegheny County. And I don't know, have we ever had two representatives going? And the, they're giant killers. They knocked off two Costas. And it wasn't close in either race. That's pretty amazing. And it shows this energy that is there. And I also want to point out, that they knocked these guys off in a primary by going to the left of them. Connor Lamb flipped a red district by not heading left as a Democrat, but heading more right, because that is such a red seat that in a general, which is what he was running in, general election, the only way you win is by appealing to the voters. <laughs> so there is no, people keep saying, so are Democrats supposed to do like a Connor Lamb and be sort of this moderate uh, Democrat? Or are they supposed to do like Summer Lee and be like, you know, endorsed by the Democratic Socialists? I mean, is that what you're supposed to do? It depends, right? The idea here is to win. Simple as that. The idea is to win. We want Democrats in Harrisburg, and we want more women. And these two were not the only women that won yesterday. It's, it's just wonderful. Also winning from these parts for uh, going to be on the uh, general um, election ballot in November as Pennsylvania's lieutenant governor is the mayor of Braddock, uh, John Fetterman, who uh, who topped a uh, crowded race, including the incumbent lieutenant governor, Mike Stack, 
who didn't even come in second. He came in, looks to me, like fourth. Um, so if you're an office, and these are Democrats, so if you're an office holder, the three people I just talked about getting knocked out here, three white guys, are Democrats. The wave that is coming will knock off not just Republicans, it's knocking off entrenched incumbents because we want people who listen to us, who are going to shake things up, change things, right? So, boy, Fetterman, six foot eight inches, bald-headed and tattooed. Can you imagine him <laughs> as essentially the vice president of, uh, of Pennsylvania. The lieutenant governor doesn't have shit to do. Uh, he's supposed to uh, preside over the state senate. Man, I like that idea. The state senate is overwhelmingly Republican. So you imagine this six-foot-eight-inch tattooed, bald-headed, bearded, frightening-looking human being sitting there glaring at all these I love I, I I just love the optics of it not that I'm so crazy about Fetterman for reasons that many of you know he also heads uh, chairs the board of pardons that'll be good and obviously if anything happens to the governor he becomes the governor so that's the job boy he's going to get a hell of a pay raise and a mansion that's bullshit why should, I mean, that's bullshit. Why should the taxpayers provide a mansion for a, 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 the lieutenant governor who doesn't have to do much of anything? I mean, that's ridiculous. Why do we do that? I'm asking. Ridiculous. Just saying, that's an aside. And this creep, uh, Lou Barletta, uh, is going, won the Republican uh, primary yesterday to um, run against Senator Bob Casey. Uh, Barletta is a creep. Barletta's an awful person. He's afraid of immigrants. He was an anti-immigrant politician before Donald Trump ever came on the scene. He's a former mayor of a place called Hazelton, PA, and he passed legislation there to, you know, essentially terrorize any um, undocumented immigrants who might be in the area. And I, I, I the ACLU went after him because the laws were just outrageously unconstitutional. So you got Barletta, who is essentially a Donald Trump candidate, running against Bob Casey. And um, if there's any way you can work for Casey, please do it in any way you can. He might not be your cup of tea. He ain't my cup of tea because he's a very sort of moderate Democrat um, in a lot of ways. I don't agree with him, but he's an honorable man. He's a good man. And he's gotten a little feistier since uh, Donald Trump's become president. Um, and we cannot allow ourselves to be represented in the Senate of the United States by that horror Toomey and Barletta. That can't be the two senators from here. So Casey's got to stay. Wolf has got to win. And he'll be up against this guy who calls himself a garbage man, Wagner. Yeah, he's a garbage man. I said to my son the other day, why does he keep calling himself a garbage man? I suppose to appeal to the little people, like, yeah, I just pick up people's garbage. He owns a huge, huge waste disposal firm. He's rich as holy hell. Republican candidates for governor are not garbage men, okay? Jesus. And um, unfortunately... Um, Adam Ravenstahl, who one of our callers, Mike in Polish Hill, warned us about, uh, did 
uh, win again yesterday. Um, he is the brother of the former hapless mayor, boy mayor of Pittsburgh, Luke Ravenstall. Adam Ravenstall will continue probably um, uh, representing parts of Pittsburgh in the assembly. Uh, so I think that was it. Was that it? Was that it pretty much for the election crapola? I think so. I wanted to also get myself into some other stuff. I mentioned Amazon before about if, if Amazon doesn't come here, Daryl Metcalf, some of the blame can go to Daryl Metcalf. Although you might have noted that one of the 20, you know, there's 20 cities still in the running and one of them dropped out. So there's just 19 now. So Pittsburgh's chances just improved. <laughs> and the city that dropped out is Arlington, Texas, which uh, sits, I, mean, I think, halfway between Dallas and Fort Worth. And the mayor of Arlington said they just, they don't want to, they don't want to do it anymore. They didn't think they were really in the running. And here's what chilled my uh, blood. Arlington Mayor Jeff Williams uh, said that he understood that Amazon was looking for a different environment than the one that Dallas-Fort Worth or Arlington could offer. And he said this, I think it's looking for a more downtown urban environment. And I thought, oh, no, because I also read yesterday, didn't you, that when the Amazon guys came here looking at the p possible sites for the Amazon headquarters, if it were to come here, the one they clearly loved was the Strip District right here in the downtown a hop, skip, and a jump from where I sit. The marvelous strip district where if you put Amazon in there, it'll ruin everything that's wonderful about it. It'll yuppify what is this wondrous, wondrous, real Pittsburgh. Oh, God. Okay, so they're looking for an urban environment and they really like the strip district. I think our chances are a little bit better. Somebody, please, in case they didn't know, tell them Pennsylvania does not have uh, protection for gays. And also that there's no direct flights to anywhere from our airport. That might stop them. I don't want them. Do you see what they've done to Seattle? And did you see what they just did in Seattle? Seattle has such a huge homeless problem that many of the people that had called Seattle home long before Amazon even existed are not able to live there anymore. They can't afford it, priced out of their own homes. And so the city fathers decided to tax, pass legislation that would tax these big businesses like Amazon and who else is there, Starbucks. They got a lot of biggies there. Uh, an additional tax for them and the money from the, the tax would be used to... build affordable housing for residents of Seattle who simply can't afford it anymore. And Amazon fought this tooth and nail. Amazon. You know how much money they got? They fought it tooth and nail and said... You do that, and we're not going to build that addition we were planning on building over there. We're going to pull back. 
And lo and behold, they muscled and muscled and muscled, and city fathers caved, and something got passed, but it is nowhere near as much of a tax bite as they need to fund the kind of housing to ameliorate the problem that Amazon's success has caused in Seattle. That same thing will play out here if it were to come here. Make no mistake. And Amazon is not some benevolent entity, clearly. The mayor of uh, Arlington also let it be known that they are demanding of all of these cities substantial money. They want all kinds of tax rebates and nodding half. Oh, no, you don't have to pay any taxes at all. Not to worry, not to pay tax. They want grants. I mean, well up. These cities are offering well up to a billion dollars to Amazon. What's wrong with this picture? Hmm? What's wrong with this picture? Amazon, the richest effing company in the country. And they're demanding that you grease the skids for them if you want them to come to town and give some people jobs and make the cost of living here go sky high and change the very character of a city that we love because of its unique character. I don't, I just don't get it. I don't get it. I seriously don't get it. And on a lighter note, Denise writes, I am so disappointed that I was on vacation last week and could have called in. I didn't hear the show and it's too late. I can't believe she's talking about Rachel Maddow's eyebrows. <laughs> Eyelashes. <laughs> now this is a hot topic. I can't believe Rachel's eyelashes came up again. This is something Susan brought up. They are too heavy. However, in just the last few years, I learned myself that well-placed false eyelashes make one's eyes appear bigger and more open. I don't even have mascara on. I can't even. Bigger and more open on camera. Rachel should use tools like makeup and lashes to give the impression, God, that hurts, to give the impression that she is honest and open. I got, look, my eyes are like, I don't look honest and open? I don't? Do I look honest and open now? Okay. I know I'm giving you a hard time, Denise, but let me. It's too much fun. Um, give the impression she's honest, honest and open, a quality that is displayed by an open-eyed look. I'm sure you're probably right about this in terms of human psychology. I'm sure you're right. In addition to that, and here's where, wow, I, I thought, whoa. In addition to that, I believe all of those people on TV Men and women both have an obligation to look the best they can when they come into my living room. I watch TV, not listen. I want what I see to be as visually appealing as possible. I accept that not everyone is beautiful, but they should try to look as attractive as they can on TV. Let's face it. We want to believe that Rachel has the job she does because she's a genius and talented. But she is also beautiful. Not all, but most people who have a show are attractive. 
So I disagree with Susan and you on this. And anytime I'm going to be taking an important picture, I'm adding some false eyelashes. No kidding. Without them, my eyes look closed. Mine always do too in photos. Because you know, when I smile, they close. I mean, they, they, it, the smile, yeah, makes it. But, okay, wow, Denise, you said a mouthful here. As I said, you're probably right about the more open your eyes are, the more you're perceived as honest. And having started my broadcasting career in television, I am very aware of how much looks and clothing and hair uh, matter. Uh, to the point where a woman in television, I mean, it just becomes an extraordinary uh, burden. And um, and I often look at like TV news or the cable news and how one woman after, it's gotten worse and worse. Every, almost every woman is like a beauty queen. I mean, really, look at them. There's one babe after another, and they, they all have these bodies, and they all wear like short sleeveless dresses, even in the winter, so you can see their, their beautiful arms. And they, I mean, it's just come on. I want, so wow, they've got to go looking far and wide to find not only beauty, but beauty and also brains and performance ability and all of that. Wow, that really narrows the field. Stop and think of all the brilliant people that could be out there on your TV giving you good information who aren't there because they're not pretty. Now, obviously, men don't have the same standard because there's a bunch of plug-ugly guys on television. There aren't a lot of plug-ugly women. A few. God bless them. I've never worn a false eyelash in my life. I never will. I haven't even ever worn mascara. On television. Didn't seem to hurt my career, but whatever. And just the idea that Rachel Maddow would would be browbeaten into this, it it depresses me, frankly. I lose a little lose a little respect for her. I do. Now that she's sporting those, you know, like, wow, look like friggin' ceiling fans. I mean, it's ridiculous. I don't know. So I haven't talked all. So Kim Jong Un is all of a sudden back to his old self. I'm so thrilled. Um, yeah, so he's threatening. The Trump administration is like, uh, doesn't know what to do. Big shock there. Um, uh, the Israelis are continuing to destroy themselves. Uh, the Israeli government is continuing to s destroy uh, its country. And for someone like me who cares about Israel, this is so horrible, shameful, Mind-blowing, depressing. Who did I? Somebody, somebody tweeted something that expressed my thoughts totally, and jeez, and I'm gonna find it. I'll find it if I can, um, and uh, share it with you, or not. I am the most disorganized human being in the... Damn, there it is. Okay, now, hang on. I also want to talk about something that really blew me away. 
um, was, did you see that John Bolton, now our national security advisor in the White House, has gotten rid of the two guys who were in charge of cybersecurity? There's nobody there now. Excuse me. Did my voice go up? Yes. Cybersecurity, for God's sake. You know, like the election meddling. The two big countries that meddled cyberly, and we know it, are Trump's biggest pals, North Korea and Russia. And we had two pretty good guys in that, those positions. Bolton, in the last week, has knocked them both off. There's nobody there. And they're actually saying, we don't need them. Bolton has said, these jobs are no longer considered necessary. Meanwhile, cybersecurity experts, members of Congress in both parties, beg to differ. Their response was pretty much, WTF? Are you kidding me? Just two years ago, a, a, a commission set up said they thought that a cybersecurity chief should be like, ne like right next to the president now, that that's how important it was. And Bolton's gotten rid of both of them. Which means that for the election coming up, don't expect that your vote will necessarily count. We already know that the Russians targeted the voting systems in over 20 states. You think they've stopped working on that since the last election? Uh, no. But Trump, I, you know, you really have to wonder sometimes, who's he working for? <laughs> who's he working for? Increasingly, the th everything he does, the only way, I mean, if you didn't know anything, you would say, well, that guy's working for uh, Russia. That, that guy's working for China. That guy's working for North Korea. He sure as hell ain't working to secure the United States of America. We have a call. Hi, caller. Hello? Yeah, sorry to lash out at you, but... Okay. I, you know, you know, you guys have been talking about uh, Rachel Maddow's eyelashes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hello. Yeah, I'm yeah. here. And um, so I thought to myself, are they fake? So I did a Google search, <laughs> and this one article mentions her eyelashes. It's a, it's a, um, article in the Washington Post about fake eyelashes and you know, yeah, female stars and celebrities and news anchors. And here's what it says about Rachel Maddow. Just it's in uh, brackets. Rachel Maddow once let a reporter tug on her eyelashes just to prove that they were real. They're not. So it's possible she just has really long eyelashes. But they, you take a look at Rachel Maddow um, last year. Long, long eyelashes with more mascara this year can make them appear to be longer. The, the, the article is actually from last year. It's from April 2017. Um, Sort of like Ted. Yeah, that's the only article I found. Yeah, and and I'm one of those people who doesn't watch Rachel Maddow. I, I, I don't either. Usually, usually, usually online, I'm like listening and doing something else. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah. 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 Well, I I don't know, I never, but I I, it, I never paid attention. But I finally saw her relatively recently after Susan had gone on her tirade, and man, there's her lashes look so heavy, it's a wonder that she can even open her eyes. I'm not kidding. I was looking at that. I, I watched her show, too, after, after the first time. She yeah? Said, yeah, she does have really thick-looking eyelashes, you know, her eyes, you know. But to me, Rachel looks best when she's that nerd that goes on the Colbert, you know, Colbert yeah. with her jeans and her yeah. big old glasses. Yes, that's <laughs> when she looks best. She should just, yeah. yeah, exactly, wear her glasses and be real. I absolutely yeah. agree with you. But those eyelashes look so bizarre. Then, okay, if it's not fake, if those actually are her lashes and she's just putting 20 pounds of mascara on, oh, God. Stop it! Okay? 
what's really interesting is what all I thought about when the the, the the little thing that you read about, you know, people wanting their eyes to look bigger. Poor Asian women. <laughs> Why? You know what I mean? Oh, because like, yeah, they yeah, have. Well, yeah, because, yeah, you know, they're talking about how, you know, it makes you look more alive and more happy. Yeah. And, you know, makes your eyes look wider open and all this kind of good stuff. Well, so like, you don't think there's well, some... That's, that's, yeah. a, that's a very... That's a Western, it's yes. a Western idea. Exactly. Yeah, that's and that's why, you know, a lot of Asian women are freaked out and they end up... They have surgery to open their yep. eyes. This is the kind of crap that women get constantly. Never mind. I hear you. Okay. <laughs> Goodbye. Thank goodness for for Jordan, for Michael Jordan. He made bald cool when I was losing my hair. So. <laughs> God bless him then. Yep. Thanks, Clarence. Right. Okay. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Um, I just want to quickly do the, the I know we have another caller. Um, hang on one second. I just want to do this tweet that I se- said everything I feel about Israel um, and what's happening right now. Uh, it's from a guy named Dolly uh, Risby. And he said, Israel always enjoyed near unconditional bipartisan support from Republicans and Democrats. And now Netanyahu has made Israel a partisan issue, torpedoing half of its support in the United States. And then he goes on to say the biggest victims of Hamas are Palestinians. And the biggest victims of Likud, that's Netanyahu's party, are Israelis. And there it is. There it is. Both the Palestinians and the Israelis are ill-served by their so-called leaders. It is so depressing. So unbelievably depressing. Hamas is vile. And Netanyahu is vile. Okay. Had to say that. Caller? Hello. Hey, Lynn. Uh, Jonathan Greensburg. Hi. And uh, <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't going to call this morning, but given it, it may be a while or not. I don't think. I don't know. Who I cares? get to speak with you on air again. Uh, but... Uh, yeah, uh, I was just wondering, um, when you made the comment that if someone was coming in as some sort of outside observer, um, you know, uh, with a perspective alien to our, you know, that didn't understand the run-up to this man occupying the White House, they would think that he was perhaps a, an agent of, of Russia. Absolutely. Of Vladimir Putin. Absolutely. And... That's a case that's been argued over in the Washington Monthly by a couple of their regular columnists that, you know, if you look at his uh, foreign policy and the decision-making and the gutting of the intelligence agency, almost casting intelligence agencies as the enemy. And the State Department. He destroyed the State Department, the intelligence agencies. Going after all, I mean, our our justice. I mean, he's just, he is like a fifth column. He's absolutely taking down the country. Right, exactly. And they said, look, the only other uh, uh, foreign leaders whom he's friendly with are militarists and autocrats. That's right. I mean, he's uh, you know, expressed admiration for Duarte in the Philippines, who's a mass murderer. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, an Erdogan in Turkey. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, who's imprisoned uh, half of, of his course, population. You know, uh, uh, helping the, you know, and by the way, I agree, Hamas is vile, but David Netanyahu, he's also vile. Um, he's leading Israel into a, a, a course of destruction. Yep. Um, and, uh, and he's a, you know, he's a militarist. He's attempting to seize more and more political power for himself, um, you, would, you would look at Trump and just think, wh- wh- why does this powerful, wealthy nation, why do they have you know, a de facto, and I'm going to just go ahead and use the word traitor, 
to their nation's interests in, in their highest office. Uh, I, I mean, it, I totally it, agree. It, I agree. Hey, John, we're out of time. The clock. Uh, I hope not permanently. <laughs> well, I hope so, too. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Bye-bye. Yeah, will. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Yeah. I don't know. My sense is nobody gives a damn what I do in here, but uh, but if not, <laughs> what the hell? Thank you all. And uh, as far as I know, I'm back tomorrow, and we'll uh, we'll talk some more. Okay? If anybody has any scoop on uh, Rachel Maddow's eyelashes, uh, send them scoops right here. Okay? Got to get to the bottom of this. Okay? Bye. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.